Listener Production. Shares, Market. the S&P, the ISX stocks. This is the Motley Fool Money Mailbag. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, our very special mailbag edition. It is very special because it's Sunday. It's very special. It's a mailbag and it's very special because he's here. The man himself, Mr. Andrew Page Esquire, the founder, managing director, employee of the month, my new favorite epithet, of strawman.com. <laughs> How are you, buddy? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. good. I will um, have to check each month to make sure you're still employee of the month. But for now, at least, I think I'm safe. Coincidentally, I'm also the employee most in need of improvement as well. So it's, <laughs> there is there is that. Well, you yeah, the encouragement award and a merit award. How good's that? I'm both both the highest income earner within the business and the lowest income earner within the business too. <sighs> that, so. that, is, that is some serious equality at Strawman. Look at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very pay, very flat management structure. Very very <laughs> communist version of you know, what, what, no, everyone gets paid the same. That's remarkable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bloody yeah. Commies. I knew that was true about you. Um, <laughs> of course, I do need to know what Strawman.com is. We are an online private investment club there you are I of course work for the Motley Fool and we give individual retail investor I just said that for you right uh, nice. we, uh, we we provide stock recommendations education and advice alright mate um, <laughs> I, I'm going to start by apologising to our listeners for the hour and a half rant-a-thon slash hopefully interesting deep dive into SVB on, on Friday we had five different agenda items <laughs> we got to about 42 minutes went Oh, this is ugly. We got about a minute seven. I was like, "Oh, let's just finish the bloody thing off." So, yeah. if you, if you, if your ears are still ringing from listening to us for an hour and a half, then uh, thank you, and and I'm sorry, and all those other good things. We didn't intend to do it that long. We just there was so much to cover. I think it was a really fun conversation. I enjoyed it. I hope it got some uh, juices flowing for you in terms of listening and thinking about what this all means, what's happening, what comes next, uh, some of the potential solutions. I think they're all hopefully a really useful input into the conversation. Otherwise, we wasted an hour and a half of your time, and we humbly <laughs> apologise. Um, well, the the irony is, is that I said to you when we hit stop, was that I feel as though we only scratched the surface. Yeah, exactly. Like we we could have gone for another exactly. hour and a half easily. Exactly. So uh, let's let's try and go to questions instead, mate, because that's what this Sunday mailbag is supposed to be about. I was tempted to try and shoehorn some other stuff in, but we won't. We won't. No. And by the way, uh, we're recording this one also on Thursday morning, so God knows what's happened since. Uh, maybe you're not listening to this. Maybe in your caves with your shotguns and baked beans, there is no internet Wi-Fi reception. If that's the case, then we've had fun recording it. If not, <laughs> hopefully you're listening and enjoying what we've got for you. Uh, but let's go. Uh, <laughs> one from, uh, I don't have a name for this one, Oki, I suppose, uh, based on the email address. To Scott and the other fella with a laugh. That's Andrew Page from strawman.com, Okay, A big fan of the mailbag. He says, long-time listener, first-time mailer. My wife and I are on the verge of fire at age 43. We, pl- we plan to fund our retirement via dividends and a small drawdown. Can you just we define are- fire quickly? I was going to at the end, but you can do it. Oh, sorry, sorry. That's all right. Financially, financially independent, retire early. It is my least favorite acronym in the finance sector because it means nothing as a, as a sentence. It's just like, what, what's that supposed I mean, I know it, means it spells fire, which is nice, but... I just want to have lots of money and not have to work and do it right. while I'm young. But, it, but no, like, but it, it, I don't mind the idea, but it's like financially independent, retire early. What, what is that? Like, is that even a grammatically correct sentence? What, I mean, you know, my grammar, your grammar is not always brilliant, but even I know that's not, you know... But we love a good acronym in Retire space, early mate. with financial independence. You might get away with, call it refi if you want to call it something, but financially independent <laughs> retire. It's like, is there a comma there? Is it a full stop? Are they, anyway. <sighs> we are heavily invested, Suzuki, in Wilson Asset Management LICs. Wham, Waxen, and WMI, he says they're three ASX codes, mainly for their epic yields of 6 to 7% plus franking. Recently, their share price have dropped significantly, causing us heaps of angst. While we are diversified in other LICs and ETFs, LIC being listed investment company, if I didn't say that, um, the two two of the Wilson Asset Management 
uh, LICs make up a large chunk of our portfolio. What is your outlook for Wilson's LICs? Do you think their yield is sustainable? And will their share prices return? Thanks in advance and full on. And he finishes with wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> I, love, I love a bit of just random stuff. So that's, all, that's awesome. Okay, thank you for that. Um, Wilson, tell us about Wilson Asset Manager. Tell us what, what you think about their products, man. Yeah, very, very quickly, just um, from before, I, I'm, I'm actually, while the acronym might be terrible, I, I do I do <laughs> love it as a movement. Like if there's oh, ever sorry, a social sorry, media movement, yeah, you know, there's, yeah. there's one like go out and be silly with your money and there's another that's yeah. like, be prudent, save up, yep, and you, yep, you yep. get to retire early. With, I mean, that's just such a wonderful goal. So I'm, totally. I'm all with the, those that, that want to do the fire thing. You can you can maybe take it too far if you're living in a cardboard box <laughs> and just eating two-minute noodles while earning uh-huh, 100 grand uh-huh. a year. But, you know, hey, it, you'll, you'll get there a lot faster. <laughs> I actually don't know them very well, as we've mm. discussed before. There's lots of listed investment companies and stuff out there. And it's it, there's, a, there's a again, a little bit of irony for someone – who's ostensibly a stock picker to sort of yeah. buy these because yeah. you tend you just, you're basically saying I'm going to give it to someone else yeah. to do, which yeah. is a perfectly viable choice, mind you. But I guess yeah. is for people like you or me, we just, we just, and not saying it's the right way. It's just for us, yeah. it's the right yeah. way. So yep. I just generally don't look at them too much. Yep. Um, look, they've got a long history and for the most part, a pretty decent history. Mm. Um, but the, the trouble, the trouble with them, well, not one of the trouble, one of the things you've got to bear in mind is that, you know, they, you, you have key person risk. You know, you're only as good as the people that are managing your money. They can change. Mm. Um, and they can have good runs and they can have bad runs. In fact, we know looking at history that the world's best investors all have periods of underperformance and Terrible can sometimes. last for a long yep. time. Yep. But the question is, do I hold? Is it good value? Where does it go? Is fundamentally answered by saying, well, how good are they? Mm. Uh, no. How good are they going to be? <laughs> yeah, good one. Yeah, that's <laughs> is, is, is probably probably yeah, a better yeah. way to put it. Now, yeah, very put. The, the 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 past doesn't guarantee the future. Um, we we all know that very well. But the earnings per share have been just going sideways. Dividends have been going sideways for a mm. long time. You know, it hasn't been spectacular over the last ten years. It's been pretty ordinary. And even if you yep. just want to use the the share price as a proxy as to what's sort of happening un- under the hood. Uh, it's basically at the same share price as it was 10 years ago. So, I mean, that doesn't guarantee anything. As I said, great investors can have periods of underperformance. And for the first half of that 10-year period, it was actually very good. It did, mm, did quite yeah. well. Um, so I don't know, is, 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 the, is, is the, sh- the long and the short of it? Mm. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll let you go before I add some more thoughts. Yeah. Uh, so look, Jeff Wilson, long-term good investor, really good track record for a long period of time. The last four years have not been kind to the two biggest Wilson Asset Management LOCs. WAM Research, which is W-A-X, and W-A-M itself is Wilson Asset Management. Well, WAM Capital. Um, the the four years, 2019, 2020, and 22, uh, have had a couple of years of losses for one of them and three years of losses for the other. During that time, they keep paying out high dividends. And whenever you see a high yield you have to ask yourself either this is supported by uh, fundamental strength by the company or those dividend the, the yield is high because the share price is low justifiably or not so let me just go for, for wham the code is wilson wham capital uh let's just i, I know numbers are hard on, on audio let's go with it earnings last four years two cents minus 0.4 cents or so minus four cents plus 34 cents minus 31 cents Right, so kind of roughly even over that period of time, 
almost almost zero net net. However, the last four years they pay dividends each year of 16 cents, 16 cents, 16 cents, and 16 cents. Now, if dividends aren't coming from earnings, where are they coming from? They're coming from the capital of the business. And in that scenario, all else being equal, and I don't know Wilson particularly well, all else being equal, if money's going out of the business, but it's not bringing money in, the remaining business is worth less, not worthless, but worth less. And that's probably why the share price has been falling because they've been giving away bits of the business effectively rather than giving you back proportions of the income. I hope that, I hope that makes sense. The other one, mm -hmm. uh, which mm -hmm. is Wham Research, same thing. Last four years, earnings, one cent, minus four cents, plus 27 cents, minus 10 cents. So that's a net positive, but not by much. Dividends over that four years, 10 cents, 10 cents, 10 cents, 10 cents. Now, again, same thing. The value of the remaining business, if there's, um, you know, if it's paying out cash and not earning, it's got to be coming from the treasury, coming from the back pocket, coming from the wallet. Therefore, there is less left for investors. So that's the first thing in terms of dividends. I would not be sure. Well, I mean, for, for, for an intermediate amount of time, they can keep paying out a high dividend yield just because they choose to, because they mm. choose to simply give up some more of that money. So I'm not going to tell you it can't change. What I would say is it doesn't seem at the moment at least funded by those earnings. Now, maybe earnings turn around. Maybe Wilson were great. They said, you know what? We know people live on income. Let's keep giving them the dividend yield while we wait for performance to return. That's a perfectly acceptable thing for a business to choose to do. Um, if they think their, their shells want dividends, they want to provide them, they think the performance will return, and they, they're happy to say, let's trade something off. We know they want dividends first. This is what we're doing. We're going to pay out those dividends. I will say, I don't, again, this is not an ad. We have a service called Everlasting Income at the Motley Fool. We will pay out the as long as we can money uh, from the portfolio every month. We can excuse me, it's built as a monthly kind of paycheck service. So every month we'll, we'll send out some money. Uh, to it's only a model portfolio. We don't actually take members' money. We do our own, but we have a, a real money portfolio. We follow along. If the income doesn't come in, we'll keep paying it out until we have to stop because we haven't got any money left to do it with. So, so it's perfectly reasonable. It may not be the best thing, but it's perfectly reasonable for a business to choose with its, its shareholders' um, consent and 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 you know informed shareholder consent. We will keep paying this out until performance returns. But that should reduce the value of what's left, and that's in part why we've seen the share price of these two businesses fall, or LACs. I should say, by the way, WAX, the WAM research business, is still trading at 1.3 times book value. So there's a dollar of assets and you're paying a dollar 30 for those assets. You can decide whether or not you think that's worthwhile. You would pay more than the book value on any business if you think they could turn those assets into future cash flows. If they can't, then you are giving up uh, you're paying a decent premium. For uh, Wham, uh, this is Wham Capital, it's 1.06 times book. So you're paying a little bit more. But in both cases, even despite the share price falls, share prices are still higher than the value of the assets because investors in those LOCs believe the future will be bright and it's worth paying more to get access to that future brightness of earnings in the business. Mm. I don't love LOCs, as our listeners well know. I don't think... I would be buying units of these two LICs. Uh, partly as an industry because I'm not I'm a stock picker generally, but I have, I have ETFs too, by the way. Um, but partly because I think I'd rather buy at book value unless you believe that Wilson can turn it around and actually deliver outsized performance and you're getting it at a really cheap price. But again, you're paying more than book value to do that. So you're still paying a premium to get access to something that hasn't been performing well in the last three or four years. Probably good good reasons for it. I'm not an expert on the company. I'm not saying you should sell or you should buy or you should hold. I'm just saying if I was looking at this, I'd probably not be super keen to, to jump in. 
Mm. Did you want any? You said you might have some more thoughts. Do you have any more? Yeah, I was just going to say it's always worth looking under the hood a, a bit here. So you look at their recent presentation. So I can see that the top 20 shares in their portfolio, Life360, got Credit Corp, car sales. You, you know, you can that, that can help inform your decision as well. They obviously really like them and they're giving you exposure through that yep. and they're doing all the waiting and the stock picking and stuff for you. But that's that's worth looking at, you know. Um, I tend to I tend to like the the value prop. Let us mm-hmm. we're experts, let us do it for you. But but and we'll get a good return. But that what it needs to be is more than what the low cost ETF is doing. This is why these mm-hmm. things have grown in popularity so much because a lot of people have just said, I can't pick which is going to be the best manager. Mm-hmm. It's too hard. The average tends to be pretty good and it's certainly a lot less. You know, yep. after, after, yep. after fees, you know, yep. statistically it tends to beat most of these things anyway. I'm just going to go for that. So I feel yeah, if, if the – so the, the question is – what brought you to these investments? Did, mm-hmm. did was it a very strong conviction in the um, management uh, investment team? In which case, stick with it, right? Like, unless yes. you feel that yes. that's that's changed. If it's just because you want a broad diversification to the market with a little bit of a you know a custodian there to sort of steer the ship, I I tend to think I'll take the almost it's like a bird in the hand versus two in the bush. Mm. Maybe these guys can do better. Maybe they will do a bit worse. I'll just take. I'll just take the ETF take and the get the average. Yeah. Yep. You know. Now, for what it's worth, I pick stocks for a living and we charge our members to hopefully uh, you know, get access to what we expect to be market beating stock picking over time. And Wilson's mm-hmm. doing exactly the same thing. These are active ETFs. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'll say both ways. If you, I'm not going to sit here and say you shouldn't invest in LOC, stock picking LOC, but you should use my services. I also have the same in reverse, by the way. If, if they can't beat the market and I can't beat the market, don't pay either of us. Go yeah. by the ETF. So but both those things are true. Um, I'm not going to bag, bag Wilson's for trying. Um, but at the end of the day, as an investor, it's your money. If you can beat the market yourself, knock yourself out. If you can find someone else who can beat the market to help you beat the market, great. If neither is true, buy an ETF. Or you don't want to, buy an ETF. So there's, mm. there's, there's range lines. I love your question, mate, because uh, you, you bought it for the epic yields. I'm going to say, Oki, there might be a chance that you may have been... Um, I say fooled. I don't mean deliberately not being on a particular, but you may have been. You may have convinced yourself that maybe it was worth taking a risk because everyone knows Wilson Management, Management. The yields are high, therefore this must be a good investment. The yields are great. How can how can I go wrong? Or, or at least you know I'll close my eyes and hope the yields are consistent or continue. Um, I'm. It seems like Wilson's pretty keen to pay those dividends out uh, ongoing, but if it's costing you capital value, it's a bit of a false economy. So maybe just reassess. Andrew's point. It was a rhetorical. Have a think about why you owned it. I would, I would probably be a little bit more direct and say, make sure you're owning them for the right reasons. Make sure those yields work sustainable and consistent and you're happy with them rather than just looking around going, they're high yields, I guess I'll grab those. Because that, mm. um, you made this point, Andrew, on Friday uh, in a very different context, but just because the yields are there <laughs> on offer uh, doesn't necessarily mean the investment is, particularly it might be a good one, but it may not mm. be a good one either. Yep. Let's move on to a question from Andrew. I assume this isn't Andrew Page, Andrew. Maybe it's a different Andrew. Hi, Scotty and Rampage. Oh, sorry. You all right? My phone just rang. Apologies. If, <laughs> there if you I go. We didn't mic. hear it. We didn't hear it. So that's okay. <laughs> uh, hi, Scotty and Rampage. Firstly, thank you for your wisdom each week. I think you would make the Greek Stoics proud. That's very kind of you, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> high praise <laughs> expect the best plan for the worst and if you do have a success don't get too proud it probably involved a fair bit of luck so make a sacrifice to the goddess Fortuna and move on mm-hmm. I like that I have yeah. two questions if you would indulge me question one 
I've been unable to find what an expectation would be for annual capital gains tax for an index ETF, as I would like to end up never selling in retirement and avoiding all CGT. Is the cost enough to justify instead buying a broad-based portfolio that closely mimics the ETF, say 30 stocks across sectors, to get a similar return, give or take a few points, but not incur any CGT? That's a really good question. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give my thoughts while Andrew's thinking. Yeah, um, I've got to think that through. If you were only ever going to buy once and a lump sum, I think that would make... Pr- uh, 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 that'd probably be a pretty good reason. The, the thing you got to think about though is with that CGT, why would there be CGT? Because an ETF doesn't actually have to sell, it's only going to be a sellable event if a company is acquired, falls out of the index or something else like that. In other words, an event's happened to the companies inside the ETF to, to um, crystallize a capital gain, which means in theory that would be happening to the individual companies that you probably own, which would probably crystallize a CGT. So I, I, I think... I know why you're trying to get away with it. Now, maybe you buy the 30 and maybe the 31st company is one that something happens to and so you avoid it. Or maybe it happens to something in that 30. You have it compulsorily acquired from you, for example, or it goes broke or, or you know, whatever, whatever things happen to those individual companies in the ETF happen to the ones in your portfolio such that if it's representative, you're probably going to have a representative capital gains tax to pay over time anyway. So yeah. I like the thinking. I'm not entirely sure it's enough of a difference. It's a lot of work too. <laughs> yeah, that's also true. You know, it, yeah. and and that it, that's that's worth it. You've just you've got to factor that in. There's there's no there's yeah. no point in what might might save you a few mm. thousand bucks if you have to do a yeah, huge yeah. amount of work yeah. all the time that's to keep really on, point, on top of actually. it. Yeah. You know. Now, if you're, um, oh sorry. Yeah, no, I I I always think that tax. I just it's sort of an, an adjacent point, but you always want to be smart and minimize your, your tax. Yeah. But I always think as an investor, it's sort of like a very third, fourth order kind of consideration. You know, I've, I've long said if, if the RBA, uh, RBA if, if the ATO taps me on the shoulder at the end yeah. of the financial year and says you owe us $10 million, yeah. I, well, the only yeah, way that that's possible is I just have an incredibly great year. So would I like a year where I pay no tax? Yeah. Well, not really, because yeah, that means- right. You know, it's like careful what you wish for, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So, 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 you be be smart about it. But I think if you're as an investor with limited time mm. that you want to dedicate to maximizing, as you often say, the focus here is maximize your after-tax return. Mm-hmm. You'll find that the things that really move the needle are picking much better investments rather than fiddling around with trying to sort of minimize sort of. Ta- I mean, again, do do what you mm. can do that's easy to do because why wouldn't you do that? But it's just it's just such the. It's just like a. Uh, I would much rather have a company that just shoots the lights out, that triggers a whole bunch of capital yeah, gain events right. along the way, that's than right. something which is perfectly structured but just not that great an investment. Yep, yep. So don't pay tax because you, if you don't have to, but don't avoid tax. So two, two more things quickly, mate. The first is um, thirty companies. If, if it represents roughly the ETF, decent chance you're going to not represent it closely enough, and maybe you'll do slightly better. Maybe you'll actually do slightly worse, and the slightly worse might actually be worse than the CGT you'd pay. So mm-hmm. just keep that in mind. Last one is if you're not doing it as a lump sum and you're adding regularly, you kind of got to add regularly proportionally in all thirty companies or some it's combination of that. Well, it's yeah. not a nightmare, but you get further and further away from the ETF in the end anyway, because mm-hmm. you can't you can't literally do it, you know, dollar for dollar across thirty companies. Add brokerage in. Think about how you how again how closely can you track the ETF with the additions? All of a sudden, you're all over the place. I, I, I don't mind the idea. 
I'm not entirely sure it's worth the effort, as, as Ram says. You're not going to have a huge capital gain bill anyway each right, year. Right, right, Let's face it, because as you say, there's not, there's not, a, they're not common events that are triggering this thing. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's not, it's not like it's going to be a big deal. I mean, I get so wanting just, to avoid it if you could, and you, you, if, I, if I could, I would too. I, I don't think there is a solution that avoids it because of the circumstance we've just talked about. And uh, yeah, it doesn't layer in a huge amount of work. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Question two: If one was to come into a large sum of money and wanted to invest in an ET index ETF all at once, here you go, let's call it 200 grand or 500 grand or whatever, can an individual investor contact the ETF provider directly and get a better deal on the spread like the investment companies do? I don't know the answer to this one. I don't th think so. Maybe technically. I'm yeah. But I mean, they're, I mean, again, these are, I love the questions because people are thinking it through, but they're, yeah. they're just rounding errors. Even if you can, I'm sure it's not substantially... You know, the numbers are so low already, right? In percentage um, terms of what your capital is, it's, yeah. it's you know, maybe. And these, by the way, these are billion dollar ETFs too, by the way. So you kind of, yeah. you know, I, I think I think it's it's one of the 0.04%. I mean, you're paying $8, you might get down to seven or six. If you, you know, if they halve the fee, you'd say $4. It's one of those, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, P.S. says Andrew, I'm also a property investor. And I would absolutely love a tenant on a five or 10 year lease. Oh, where have you I been would, my whole life? I would happily buy a house of Rams choosing and make up a suitable lease at a market rate linked to a rental index. Oh. Feel free to contact me. Uh, you know, do we have a, do we have really a hard. Some of these rants that I've had is you, you get the usual <laughs> dumb takes on Twitter, but this it just it has restored my faith in humanity because no, you, I, you see that there are some really smart, rational property investors out there it's kind of who understand that the the tenant is the basis of the entire <laughs> investment. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, that's great. Should we, should we put you in contact? Do we have a match? Can I, can I, can we do Motley Fool match or something? I mean, well, we've just, we've just, after all of our latest dramas, we just locked in here for another two years. And you know what? I've, I've said this to friends. If I won Powerball tomorrow, I'm not moving because I just can't go through that again. <laughs> so you can, you give me a billion dollars and I'm going to live here for the next two years because I've just, I, I do not go. have it in me to move again. Andrew, put a note in your diary. Send us an email at the beginning of 2025 and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll put you Let's guys talk. in touch. Let's talk. Let's talk. 100%. Good. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Now, mate, let's go to another question. This one is a question from Jeff. He says, hi, Scott and Ram. Jeff here. Thanks again for your podcast. It is, as they say, worth every cent. Thank you, Jeff. I think that's a compliment. Uh, whilst I agree with... Oh, we're going to be taken to, taken to task here. Whilst I agree with most of your comments, I was metaphorically shouting at the pod machine on your advice to Rich, if I caught the name correctly. You know, the guy who was running slower thanks to your podcast and looking to change to a cheaper broker. Well, you danced around his question on the tax implications of liquidating in one broker and buying in with another broker, I thought you missed a trick. If Rich wants to change broker accounts, there is a simple and tax-neutral way of achieving his goal by transferring his Chess Hin to his new broker. Your shares will then be sitting in the new broker account without having to buy or sell a single share, and hence there can be no questions from the taxman. This is one of the advantages of Chess sponsorship. You also have the option of transferring shares to a new broker with a new Hin, so your old account with Comsec will remain open after transferring the shares. I have done this myself after working out how much I was paying in brokerage building my portfolio. Your new broker should have a form, paper or online, to request the transfer. Transfers are often free versus the broker fees of selling and buying. Uh, so I think that's fair. 
I don't remember the exact context of the question. I, I can't I, believe I, we didn't mention that. I, that's, yeah, why, I, that's why I, I, I'm, I'm half hoping that the question was more complex than that because otherwise we should have mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, that's a fail. Why. That is a big fail on yeah. our on our part if we didn't. Yeah, absolutely. You don't yeah. you don't have to trigger a CGT. Yep. Uh, Jeff goes on. As you have admitted to having multiple brokerage accounts, Scott, can I suggest you quotes get a better rate and move to a cheaper broker? I really should. Um, I have. I have different brokerage accounts for different reasons, actually, Jeff, for what it's worth. And maybe they should be with the cheapest broker anyway. Um, for me personally, I trade so incredibly infrequently, it actually doesn't matter. Um, like it matters, but you know, it's, it's not a big enough deal for me. I, I, I'm, I'm just bore, uh, slow and lazy and don't do stuff. Um, one of my accounts, uh, my ASX account, I have in my own name for my own shares. Uh, I have that with Comsec, because I always have, and I could probably save some money by changing brokers. Um, the, I have one with Perla for my young bloke, which I've talked about before, uh, because it was I wanted to give them a go, uh, and they were cheaper, so I did. Uh, and Sharesies I have an account with. I have done work with Sharesies before and still do, for full disclosure. Um, they they allow you to buy fractional shares, which are not chess sponsored, which I don't love. Uh, but in this case, it's literally for my son just to buy 10 bucks worth of shares every now and again and split some money five ways across five companies he likes. And that's why I have Tesla shares, as I've said before. Um, so that, that's kind of, there's different brokers for different reasons. Uh, I can't buy fractional shares with the other two, as far as I know. Um, so shares works for that. Um, uh, Perler, I quite like. I could, I could imagine myself moving my Comsec stuff to Perler at some point. I really could. Um, there's no reason to stay with Comsec for the sake of it, but I just, it just, it, it's not... You know, I'm not going to go out in the front front lawn and burn money, so I should probably just change because it's cheaper. Uh, but seriously, I, I trade so bloody infrequently, it's um, it's almost embarrassing and, and probably just not worth it. But yeah, I, I absolutely take your point. I probably should. That's a great your point. Your thoughts, Ram? Yeah, it's a great. I mean, look, it, it, you can't argue against it. it no, you can't. <laughs> I, I, I guess yeah. I, I just re I probably repeat the answer I gave to to the other questioner, which is that there are there are a thousand things you can focus your attention on, and mm. these are all good points but it's just like again honestly that you've your limited time and attention is is just far better served on focusing on what you're actually investing mm. in mm. than how it's struck i mean again i know i've got to be careful because i'm not saying oh, you shouldn't do it you absolutely do it but it deemed it, it is it is mm. given far more importance than what it is if you happen to have picked promedicus and amazon and all these fantastic shares years ago but you had the worst structured um portfolio in terms of um, uh, tax minimization, you were paying the highest brokerage, mm. who cares? You could have the most perfectly, you could have the perf most perfectly sort of structured and optimized tax structure and pay zero brokerage. Yeah. But yeah. if you've got some bad investments, it's not going to save you. So yeah, sort of, I guess, the, I guess the simple point here is for these kinds of things, you know, do what you can do, but mm. just don't, th th there are so many bigger things that we, we could focus on. Agree, agreed. So let's um, let's let's, let's get into uh, some yeah, meat. I, let's get into some meat here. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to say it's not worth doing because you might as well save the money. There's no, there's no reason not to save the yeah, money. No argument. Um, no argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, question from Juan who says, "Hi Scott and Andrew, let's get this out of the way. My name is Juan, and frankly, I don't know why anyone would want their name to remain anonymous. I'll be a celebrity amongst my group of friends," he says. Since we are all interested in all things investing, we follow your podcasts. I follow you two on social media, and we're a couple of uh, members of a couple of Motley Fool services. We are yet to make it to the now in in capitals Premier Online Investment Club. I like Hell that. Yeah. Despite what Andrew says at the start of every episode, in brackets taken from Strawman.com, <laughs> <laughs> you must call yourselves the Premier Online Investment Club, do you? 
Yeah, I, I think it probably just sounded nicer at the time when there we dreamed go. it up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, you've got to talk to your marketing team, mate, because mixed messaging here is either, it's either private or premier. You've got to get it right. Yeah, you're anyway, right. Anyway, one says, I have so many questions for the pod that knowing you two, it would take four or five episodes to answer. Fair, very okay. fair. Yep. Having said that, I'm sure most of the questions you already have answered before, so maybe it'll be quick. Now, apologies, as these are not the kinds of questions you like, deep fundamental questions, but these are the most pressing at the moment. Mate, that's completely cool. Context. I've got to trust with three other friends, which we formed for the sole purpose of investing in the stock market. The idea is not only to be able to bounce ideas off each other, but also to force us to invest every month when we get together and decide where to invest from a pool of stocks, all, in brackets most, of which come from TMF recommendations. This is to mitigate risks, he says. Strategy-wise, I think we're pretty aligned with what you guys preach, but the questions are more around the tactical side of investing. So here are the questions. Firstly, how many stocks are too many? In other words, how do we avoid over-diversification? Go, Ram. It's a matter of taste, but for me personally, I don't think there's much point going past 15, 20 maybe. It tends to be backed up by the research and, and the rest of it. it just it, it, After that point, as we've, we've often said, it's diversification. A lot yeah. more stuff to keep, keep track of, and the 16th, 17th, 18th investments you make are by definition the 16th, 17th, 18th worst investments on your own judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And that doesn't mean, oh, that's, you know, you shouldn't diversify, but but the you get, I forget the exact maths, but you get 90%. Once you once you hit 15 individual stocks, assuming they're not all banks or miners, you know, there's some non-correlation amongst uh, yes, all exactly. of that. You've got 90% of the benefits of diversification. You could, one of your stocks could go to zero and it's one fifteenth of your, of your portfolio. So it's kind of like diversify by all means, just don't over diversify. Now, some people, I'll, I'll happily go as low as 10 um, you know, you go up to 20, but we, somewhere in that range is about about right, I reckon. I think that's absolutely fair. I'm going to add a couple of thoughts, mate. Um, so if you're going to set it up from scratch or make yourself do something like that, that makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, as always, there are things like tax considerations and stuff. So would I sell my 16th best idea if the tax payable, you know, changes yeah. the scenario or whatever? Probably sure. not. Um also, too, I will say people like David Garden, one of the Motley Fool co-founders, just keep stuff even if it goes to almost zero because there's no point in selling it. He said it reminds him of his mistakes. And, you know, so it's kind of, I think I think there's 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 ways around it, but I agree with you, mate. I think 15 to 20 is about enough, about the right mm-hmm. number. I've probably got too many, actually. I should I should probably um, have a look at my own portfolio. I've probably got 20 between Australia and the US, mm-hmm. uh, which is probably a couple more that I probably should have. But it's, um, it's also one of those things you don't want, you don't want that false precision in things. Yes, you know exactly. whether you have fourteen stocks or eighteen stocks. I mean, what's the difference? Yep. You know, it's just sort yep. of you're in the ballpark. Don't 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 be too yep. precise with these things. But one, um, Andrew is absolutely right. It, it's it's absolutely opportunity cost. So mm-hmm. you know, every time you add one and don't don't replace, you are one. If you have twenty stocks, one of them is your twentieth best idea. And think really seriously about that because if if that's if that's meaningfully worse than your fifth or tenth best idea then you probably want to be putting the money in the best idea bucket, right? So, so just it, keep, keep that in mind. Peter Lynch, who said the best stock to buy is likely one you already own. Correct. You know, so if you've got extra capital coming in, I mean, presumably you've got your money invested in what you think are the best investments, go add to it, build, yeah. build, build. And you know, particularly if, if the market's giving you an attractive opportunity, go, go with it. There's nothing wrong. I, I think too many people in our industry, mate, particularly amongst the financial media punditry, they're an inch deep and a mile wide. Yes. So you throw any stock at them yeah. and they'll give you an opinion and they'll get, they'll tell you something about it and they'll know a bit about the company. But 
But scratch below the surface and it's like, oh, I don't know because yeah. you just know a little bit about a lot. I look each to their own. I prefer to – you mentioned a company before off air. I was like, I've never heard of it. And you said, oh, it's only <laughs> one of the biggest financial companies in the – I was like, oh, no. You know, but, but I, yeah. of, my, of my little basket of stocks that, that I own yes. and follow, I like to feel as though I know them really well. And I, I, I like to feel as though you put me against 90% of people yeah. um, who have come across. I, I reckon I could I could answer most questions and, and know about it. Not because I'm a genius, just because I've spent a lot of time on it. Yeah. And I, I would much prefer, I think that's, I, I think that's a far um, less risky approach. Mm-hmm. Because, because you can't, it's very hard to put share price moves or ASX announcements into context without that Without that grounding. Shares drop 10%. Why? Oh, because of this. Oh, God, what does that mean? Oh, I don't know. I think it means that you're you're making, you're figuring it out on the fly. Whereas if something happens with my company, believe you me, plenty of bad stuff happens all the time. (laughs) At least I can go, well, I've either, I've thought through this scenario before, hopefully, or I can at least very rapidly interpret what that means. Is this an existential risk? Is this something that's likely to be a short-term bump? How does this impact their balance sheet or their cash burn? Because you're just so deep into it and you're so across it. So particularly if you're like, you know, these these people are getting around, they're mad into it, they've set up a trust. Sounds like you're the kind of people that really love to dig into it. So so pick, pick some stuff you feel as though you've got um, uh, a, a good chance to understand very well and and compound that investment you've made in time in understanding those businesses by by just continuing to stay on top of it. Don't, we, we love new things. So I remember when I was at The Fool with you, you know, there was, there was sometimes a bit of pushback from members when you re-recommended a stock. So, you know, there's a recommendation every month. You'd say, yes, this is my best yes. idea. Yep. And, you know, you're doing this for a long period of time. So inevitably it comes up, like, actually, I think this, I know we've recommended this before, but I think you should buy it. And people go, oh, I want a new recommendation. Yeah, that's right. Give me something different. Yeah. 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 And when I say people, some people, and, and, mm-hmm. and it's, it's kind of a bit, it's understandable, but it's crazy. And I think we all look at that as investors. We want that new idea. We want something that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's something that we haven't, you know, it's, 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 it doesn't have any historical baggage that we've been mm-hmm. through. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it's I, I I'd urge against that novelty factor, and there's nothing wrong with just being. I mean, look, and look at Buffett. We we mm. contractually obliged to mention him ten times every episode. <laughs> every episode, Correct. you know, he's held this you know, Coke and Bank of yeah, America yeah. and yeah. blah blah blah. You know, years, decades, decades. You ask him, something happens of them, you'll know straight away what it means, right? Mm. Because he's made that investment, and I think that's an edge, and I I think that's a far better way to go. I think that's true. I'm gonna I'm gonna. Jack of all trades and master of none is is the the phrase that comes to mind. I'm going to add a slight wrinkle to that though, mate. Only in the sense that I am. uh, You want to know you want to know the company really well, right? Mm. Well, but but I think you only need to know it well enough to know what big. uh, What's the word? Know what big themes, what big uh, leverage points or anchor points are at play. Because I think at some level. I would argue that by the time you know, you know, you probably get ninety percent of what you need to know in a number of hours, not mm-hmm. one hour, but not not hundred hours. After yeah, that, diminishing returns. stuff and mm. really meaningfully diminishing, right? Like mm. it doesn't really matter how many customers the company's got in Vietnam. Mm. It doesn't really matter what the <laughs> brand name of their fifth largest brand is or mm. how the new product launch is going, right? Mm-hmm. If you if you know if you know what so what industry is it in, what metrics and what models and what operational kind of important uh, operational elements kind of matter most. Hmm. And you kind of get that right. Like I, I, I kind of think, 
I don't. I don't know that in the fifty-eighth hour of any analysis of any company, someone's made a, 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 an observation that's changed their decision or the outcome. And so uh, I think you're right about knowing a, yeah. knowing companies enough is absolutely valid. I, I, I just, and I'm not saying you should be, by the way, either a, a, an inch deep and mile wide. There, there's there's somewhere in between. I guess I'm just thinking. I think about the companies I own. Like I, I, you know, I don't own them. I don't know them as well as I. I don't know. I don't know huge amounts of detail. There are people out there who will know more about the minutiae than I do. Mm. But I know the big things. Uh, and I know the big things that matter, and I know how well the company's doing on those big things. And I think mm. sometimes it's just that it's that framework thinking of, you know, SaaS, for example. If you know what SaaS is, if you know what makes it work, if you know what come some of the key metrics are, and you can work out a company that kind of has those metrics in spades and is reasonably valued, you're probably ninety percent of the way there, I guess. Do you, do you agree, or am I? Am I, 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 being too I actually, I actually strongly agree with what you're saying. And and this is this is so I don't want to suggest that for every hour you should spend. Uh, looking at a new business, you should dedicate to the one that you already know. Because as you say, there are diminishing returns. I'm coming at it from a lazy perspective, right? Because investing should be mostly doing nothing. And yeah. if, if you're spending 40 hours yeah. a week in front yeah. of a screen, well, you've basically got a full-time job. And that's, yeah, not that's what I'm, right. I'm not here for that. I'm here for other that's people right. to that's do right. the work and for me to reap the yeah. benefits. Yeah. So the, the benefit of that compounded knowledge that yes. you've, you've built up is that when a stock that I've held for the last yes. four years reports, yes. I'll have a read of that. Yeah, and I make right. an announcement. <laughs> you slot it into the mental spot. I'll have, I'll have a read. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I'm not. Yeah. You know, I want to stress. I'm not like you know going down to those. I'm not putting the equivalent hours in that I would elsewhere yeah. to sacrifice for that. Love in it. fact, I like to keep it simple, right? Like yeah, if, if if I, I, there are some people, most people I know who do sort of full time trading and that. They just you don't know of, of them because they don't tend to exist for very long, but but those people that do do yeah. tend to do it and have yeah. ostensibly decent records. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's 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 a full time job, so it's it's a different thing. That's fine if yeah. you want to do it. So I I want this to be my job, and I'm effectively mm -hmm. going to be my own fund manager. Then 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 have at it. Yeah. But I I I the the thing that appealed to me from investing from an early age is wait a second. I give my money to this business. These people go to work <laughs> nine to five, Monday <laughs> to Friday, right. <laughs> working to make this business while more profitable. While I'm having lunch, while I'm playing tennis, while I'm exactly- Yeah, yeah. I'm not doing yeah. anything. On, I'm doing, and the only work I do, only it's, mm -hmm. it can be significant, but I, I make the selection. And from that, it's yeah. just like, it's over to you. I'm going to go over here and play my Xbox, right? Like that, that's-, yeah. that's I, you've, you, you've got to know what you're in it for, right. I think. And I, and I think right. the-, the, the there, I, Probably a way to look at it is what is my return mm. per unit of hour invested? Yes. So if you've gotten 20% this year and I've gotten 20% this year and I probably cumulatively spend two weeks in analysis mm. and reading right, there, exactly. and you spend 40 <laughs> hours a week yeah, yeah, exactly, doing it, exactly. who's, yep. who's got the better return? Totally you know? right. Especially if you're not a professional investor. If you're not doing this full time, you yeah. want to be able to get to that pretty quickly. Yep. Uh, mate, a couple of quick questions from, from one and just <laughs> say quick. I, so you've already mentioned this phrase, this phrase I like and use a lot. What do we need to consider in order to maximize after-tax returns? So you, you mentioned exactly that. My, my, one of my favorite phrases, don't minimize tax, maximize after-tax returns. So yes. one, you get points, for, uh, you get points for, for paying attention. Thank you. Yep. Uh, what do you reckon, mate? Uh, the big one is just try and hold for more than a year or at least buy with the intention of holding for more than a year. Why is that? You, if you have, you literally have 
your tax, your capital gains tax bill because you that's get a, a, the CGD discount. Yeah. Like that, that is the most no-brainer thing to do in the world. Yeah. If you're at a loss, by the way, and the thesis is broken, sell because there's no capital gains anyway. So there's zero <laughs> tax considerations, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> um, and sometimes you'll find, I've done it before within a year without that intention because it's just too good to be true. Like the thing just went nuts for whatever stupid reason. And you thought, mm, I like the company, but I don't know if the you know, and you, and you, you sometimes you, you say, I'd rather take the higher tax because after tax, I'll be better off now than risking it riding for another four months and probably going back to where it was and not having it, you know, having the capital gains discount, but having a much smaller capital gain. So yeah. there, are, there are wrinkles and nuances to it, but, but that's an easy one. Uh, yeah. Once you go from there, there's, there's, there's other things that mm -hmm. you can do. Mm -hmm. um, you can do things <laughs> carefully. If, okay. you, uh, if you have a loss, maybe you'll sell that loss. And yeah. you, because you get to carry that forward forever for the, you could, you could apply that loss against a capital gain in 50 years if you wanted to, mm -hmm. assuming the legislation doesn't change, but you know, <laughs> yeah, you'll probably exactly. be able to do, you'll probably yeah. be able to do that. So some yeah, people yeah. will do that and then buy it back at a later stage yeah, or right. buy something else back. Now you've got to be very careful with that yeah. because it could be considered yeah. a wash trade, which is illegal. So if you're just buying and selling, you know, on the 29th of June, it's just, mm, it's just like mm, you're asking mm. for trouble. Yeah, that's right. But portfolios do turn over and it's, I often find it is a good opportunity to shake me out of things or at least lower mm. the weighting on things that mm. I've just not been happy with. Um, uh, and I'm probably not been happy with it in part because the share price hasn't gone well. So yeah, okay, I'll sell it. And, and, yeah. and that, that becomes even more, I'm encouraged that if I'm sitting on something else that I'm thinking of selling, it's got a big gain because it'll, it'll help lower the bill. So you can do things like that. You can set up trust structures and stuff. That, yeah. that doesn't get rid of the obligation. It just means you can distribute it in a more controlled way. But yeah, it gets, it gets very esoteric very quickly. Yes, it does. I, so I, my thoughts, um, yes, minimize, minimize your trading in general. Mm -hmm. um, by, by the virtue of the question I think what you're really asking is how do I minimise tax but I say I maximise after tax returns because it makes Scott and Andrew happy which is <laughs> fine and so that's a, I, I, at least I appreciate the way you've phrased it so if you're saying you know what, what are the what most tax effective ways um, think about capital gains tax think about your source of returns um, it, there's different taxation uh, application depending on whether you're getting franked dividends unfranked dividends or capital gains so each of those has different connotations and you should absolutely think about them in terms of calculating the the opportunity cost to use andrew's favorite um you know are you gonna buy this or that well can you use the franking credits almost certainly um are, are there other dividends at all are other dividends franked uh, what's frank versus unfranked dividends capital gains tax again what rate are you paying depends on your personal circumstances but the Discounted capital gains tax rate versus franked dividends, for example, is also different. Um, so lots of ways to consider it. Most of them, to Andrew's earlier point, are kind of muddling around the edges. Um, if, if you've genuinely got two identical investment opportunities, you might as well take the one with the lower tax. Absolutely, maybe mm -hmm. bad not to. Mm. Are they likely to be absolutely the same? Probably not. So I, I think probably keep that, um, keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. Mate, uh, Wine asks, what is the capital to fees ratio that we should maintain? Money invested versus the fees themselves. In other words, Motley Fool Services, brokerage, accounting. Uh, how do you how do you kind of make the um, how do you how do you kind of line those things up, mate? How much do you want to pay in general and total uh, mm. for the capital that you are investing? Well, I'll admit at the outside, I don't have a set threshold or, or ratio, but we certainly try to minimise it. But I would yep. I would imagine if if what your if it's costing you five percent of your capital. Mm to generate a 10% return, yes. it's, it's, it's not great. 
right? So you, you're probably overpaying in services and transaction fees and other things mm. that you you might want to pull back on. Mm. Um, I look, look. This is. I've been in this industry for a while, working <laughs> with a number of um, uh, different companies over that period. And at, at the end of the, what am I trying to say here? Politely, Pe- people are so <laughs> worried about these little things that they just miss the bigger picture mm-hmm. here. You know, it's sort of like you, you, you don't, what am I trying to say? Um, that $10,000 software package is not going to get you good returns. Yeah. It's not going to, it's not going to do it. I'm sorry. You might get lucky. It might work for a bit. It's probably not because someone who's got a formula to turn lead into gold mm-hmm. uses the formula. <laughs> That's right. They don't sell the formula. <laughs> sell it. You, you know, if you've got 15 subscriptions and you only yeah. read half of them once a yeah. month and this is like, well, yeah. we'll get, get rid get of rid it, of them. you know? Yeah, absolutely. hundred um, percent. So what are, yeah, j- just, this is the this is the difficulty of investing with small sums of money. So if you're just starting out and you've got a thousand dollars, don't join Strawman. Like yep. you know, we're a thousand bucks a year. It's, it's stupid. Mean, oh, sorry, you know, yeah. what investments are we yeah. going to give you that's going to yes, make exactly. that that worthwhile? Yes. But then at the other time, you, you, I we don't do it anymore because psychology is what it is. But someone would say, oh, geez, that's a lot. And he said, well, we do it that way because we we want to keep it pretty tight. We want to make sure we get very serious investors. And frankly, if you're running a hundred thousand dollar portfolio, are you really? Is this one percent? You know, if, if if we help you avoid one bad investment, right, or right, we put exactly. you onto yes, an idea yes. that you otherwise wouldn't come across, does that yep. not pay for itself? Like many, many yep. times over. By the way, that that never works. It's too rational. You know, what yeah. works is, hey, you're gonna make a million dollars if you do that. <laughs> if you've had one great stock at ten bags, look how much money you'll make. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's it's a div- it's a difficulty I have experienced as I've aged because I started off with. $5,000, you know, and, and built it that way. And you, you, it's very hard to scale up, you know, where, where you really need to start thinking about things, not just in terms of, oh, that's a lot of money. And it's like, well, is it? Is it if I'm managing a sizable portfolio? I mean, there are people out there with millions of dollars of portfolios. You know, it's like you can afford to spend a mm. lot of money and it's just going to not even dent the edges in yeah, terms exactly. of your, as long as it is helping, as mm. long as you're getting a good value for that. So, so the, the, they're right to sort of frame it in a, as a percentage of, of capital basis. Mm. But I would, I would, I mean, it's hard because the, the things move at the extreme. But, but I would, I would want to try and keep it less than two percent, maybe even even one percent or so. I think for me, it's yeah. probably less than half a percent because I just don't subscribe to that many things, mm-hmm. you know. Other straw man and the motley fool. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and, and, and let me let me be clear: it's not because there's a ten million dollar portfolio, sadly, either. It's just, it's just that's that right, I've, that's right. I've, I've said this before: like there is m- most of the things that you need are free. You know, the, the, the yep. main thing that you need is the time and the preparedness to put in the work. That's, that's yep. it. Once you've got that, then just go on ASX announcements, company reports. You just get 90% of what you need. Mm. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I've rambled too long. No, that's good, mate. I'm going to add only – I completely agree with everything you said with one exception, which is that – <laughs> I was going to say, A, it's going to sound like I'm defending my own services. B, it was going to sound really corny. So I'm not, I was going to say the best investment you make is in yourself. Um, <laughs> I guess there is, I have learned, so before joining The Motley Fool as an employee, I subscribed to The Motley Fool's US-based newsletters. We didn't have a business here when I, before I joined. Um, and I actually have also subscribed to other subscription newsletter services in Australia um, in the past. And I got to say, mate, as a percentage of my capital, it was probably reasonably expensive. Not, not you know, 25%, but not cheap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I also learned a hell of a lot. 
And so I, the one thing I would say is we wouldn't say, if you said services plus brokerage plus accounting plus education, uh, you know, imagine, imagine, you know, like saying uh, if you're at university, right? I, I spent 100 grand in this university education, I only earned $25,000 working at Macca's. What a, what a waste. Of course, the answer is well, you do it because there's some long-term benefit to it. So, mm-hmm. I would, I would, I don't, don't spend thousands of dollars on it. Don't buy one of our back-end expensive services. Don't go to Strawman if you've got a thousand bucks. But you might find that ours or something else at a really cheap price um, is worth it for the education itself. It may not be either. So I'm not, I'm not saying you should absolutely do it. And I am talking my book a little bit, so I apologise. But I do know personally that I learned a lot from from the education that comes with some of this stuff. So if I'm just doing stock picking, mm-hmm. I buy this one, buy that one probably not worth paying a lot of money for it. If you're going to learn something from it, by the way, this podcast is free. Um, if you're going to learn something from it, then there's some value there as well. So I'll just kind of throw mm-hmm. that in as a, you know, there's there's some sort of long-term, you know, whole of life payback, uh, mm-hmm. which, you know, if you can, if it helps you build your wealth, it helps you make some good choices. If it means that in 10 years time, you're better at picking the winner then when you've got $100,000 because you learned something 10 years earlier as, as a member of a, a cheap service or, or some other cheap club or whatever it is. Um, that can be worthwhile. So just just have a think about that as well. Yep. Uh, and and just I'll, I'll reiterate too that when when you when you look around, oh, what could I buy to help me with investing? I think we always go to software or advisory related <laughs> yeah. products or these yeah. kinds of things. I've yeah. said it before, and I'll say it again: go to your library. Yeah. <laughs> Grab a book. You know. Go, go to Amazon or, you know, uh, I shouldn't, you know, whatever other brand you buy books through, you know, just- No, Amazon, Amazon. Uh, Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> I have shares. Um, uh, you know, like, you, you can, yeah. the amount of value you're going to get out of a $20 book, you know, yes. it's just, and, and people balk at it. It's just like, honestly, get on there and just buy 10 books and read them. I and that is, mm. that is, that is the best money that you'll ever spend, right? 100%, 100%. I couldn't agree more. And then there's so many podcasts and YouTube. Oh, careful on YouTube because there's some crap out there too. But, you know, there if you can find, too, yeah. if you find a good podcast or whatever, then hopefully ours and others, there's others out there. Tons, um, really good ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you'll like this. One finishes. Thank you guys for the time you spend in making the rest of us smarter and richer, in brackets, freer, which I really like. We've talked about that before, about money buying freedom. Uh, he says, fun fact, one of the things I value most is time. So I generally watch presentations or listen to podcasts at one and a quarter or one and a half speed, but But not your podcast. (laughs) And I'm looking at you, Scott. You speak too fast sometimes, but the lectures are gold. So very much worth taking the time to listen at one X speed. Cheers, Juan. Sorry, mate. I... Uh, you know, Andrew will tell you at the top. Of it, you we don't do it as much anymore. We used to share a Google Doc. It's still there. You can access it, but he doesn't bother. Uh, at the top of it, I, I write big letters: "Speak slowly," and that lasts about three seconds every episode. So there you go. Uh, I'm not very good. I, I do love. I do love that um, idea that the, the scarcity of time is time yeah. is the ultimate human resource, right? It's you're 100%. born on this planet with certain physical characteristics and yep. time and that's all you've got like it is it is it is actually probably you could argue that's what money is right like it's it's stored time and mm-hmm. it is it is something that we all need to manage it comes back to the points we were making earlier on right like this is it's it's about spending that very scarce resource you can be hit by a bus tomorrow right mm-hmm. in the most high impact areas that you, that you can so Third time that I've made the point, but I'll make it again. It is it is, it is something to 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 watch because it's the it's the truest scarest resource in the universe. And then and if we don't, big, um, and then there's Bitcoin. <laughs> if we don't mention Warren Buffett, we should mention Charlie Munger, and even better if we do both. Again, this book I'm listening to, the University of Berkshire Hathaway, um, reminds me of one of Charlie Munger's stories that he says when he was younger, he sold himself the most productive hour of his day. 
every yeah. day and the world was free to buy the rest of it but he was keeping that hour for himself because investing in himself is uh, was what he believed uh, obviously is true certainly Love in his it. case but i think in general um yeah. it has, has has delivered massive massive ups so it requires discipline requires a whole lot of other stuff but if you can do it it's good it's also it's also why making silly bets is is silly you spend 10 years saving working investing growing and then make one thing that makes it all go away you don't get that time back right you might maybe you have another 10 year run where you build it up again but you're going back from you're starting from zero it's sort of like you just that time time is built into the the very mathematics of what we do you know the the, mm. the time value of money and how discounted cash flows work it's just it's so fundamental mm. So I've got to be so, cosmic. Big, big cosmic there, sorry. No, it's good, mate. It's really important. Let's go to finish up with a question from another Andrew. What is it with you bloody Andrews today? We're um, hey, Scott and Rams, Andrew. I've been investing for a couple of years and I've taken a stab at some individual stocks for fun. While also investing in ETFs as a retail investor, in air quotes. <laughs> I think that's for you, Andrew. I don't have much skin in the game, but I'm dollar cost averaging over time. I'd like to ask about points bet. I invested in the company and DraftKings thinking they had a great opportunity in the United States. I took some profits a long time ago, thinking I was so smart, he says, and bought in again at $3. Points better since tanked. And while I'm in it for the long term, I'd be keen to hear your thoughts on the company, whether they'll be able to take a meaningful slice of the pie in the States. Thanks, guys, from Andrew. Do you follow points, Ben? I, not, not closely, but they've got a bit of a uh, kit that helps... Um, uh, Yep, do sports betting. <laughs> uh, they basically, yeah, they basically run the. Or they've got software that run. That, that it's a sports betting software. Yeah, and they sell or most often go to joint ventures with others, uh, particularly in the US, trying to get a slice of the pie. Um, and, and what's interesting is that the surprisingly for the home of the free is <laughs> is that there's actually a very fragmented market. There, so there's there's actually it's a pretty exciting space in that because a lot of a lot of these because of ex previous rules and stuff, um, a lot of these new avenues for gambling <laughs> is is opening up, and so there's a bit of a land grab on, and so you see a lot of their presentations. Yeah. I haven't looked for a while, but there is just a, this huge industry tailwind, and if they can get a good foothold there and capture a good part of that share, I mean they'll they'll likely do very 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 well. So. Um, will they? I don't know. I don't know the company well enough. <laughs> but but I, I did want to sort of touch on what, what the caller was talking there because it's, mm. it's I just hear it all the time, which is I took profits yeah. and then now the share price is going down. I'm thinking of buying in. It's, it's kind of, it, it, it implies that that decision-making is being influenced by what the shares are doing. Mm. So it, did you take profits because they were there or did you take profits because you felt as though the market was trading at a silly level and that it was just too good to be true and and it was well overvalued and you wanted to reduce your exposure taking profits for the sake of taking profits is the you will regret that more than the biggest loss you ever make i can speak from experience here taking profits has cost me literally hundreds of thousands of dollars because i thought i was clever in buying mm. this at this it jumped up 30 exactly. percent. look at me woo! and i sell it and five yeah. years later you go yeah. what now yeah. if you're selling it because the investment thesis is broken or it's silly in terms of valuation that's a, that's a different thing but i just want to yes. highlight that point because that is the consideration there is mm. you you could have you <laughs> 
Taking profits for any successful company is something that you will come to regret because if you found a compounding machine that can get those kinds of returns mm. year after year for long periods of time, that 30% gain that you made in 2012 is going to look pretty ordinary next to the uh, 40x return that you could have made if you just sat on your bum the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's absolutely true. Um, I yeah, People have told, heard my Domino's story, but I'm not going to repeat it, but yes, 100% true. Um, on points bets specifically, I so it's one of those situations where I was going to say it might be a smart bet, no pun intended, because the individual US states are opening up for sports gambling. There is a large and and growing market that points bet has the opportunity to have a part share in, and because they're not based over there. They've done a really smart thing, which is they generally um, partner with local firms with local exposure, so brands and know-how and people. And they say, we'll give you the software. You bring the regulatory kind of relationships and software and marketing. And we'll together, uh, that's software again, I said software again, I think, mm-hmm. um, know-how and that kind of stuff. You, um, we'll put that together and we'll be successful. Now, that is a really, really, really smart approach, really smart approach. And it could pay off. The problem is that even though sports betting has become legalized, each individual state is tending to offer only one or two licenses, maybe three in some states, to individual providers who then have to bid for those licenses. So it's not a case of, like in Australia, uh, effectively free-for-all, as long as, you, mm-hmm. as long as you pass the rules and you're appropriately regulated um, and you get appropriate licenses, there are, there are any number of bookies here. In the US, they're at the moment at least going to limit it to a certain number and you have to be one of the successful bidders in each state. And you're kind of, at this point, speculating, and, and maybe intelligently, but if PointsBet can grab two, three, four, five of these things, it'll probably, if it gets five, it'll do extraordinarily well. If it gets none, then it's a wash and you probably lost a fortune. If it's somewhere in between, then it's somewhere in between. And so you're kind of trying to, it's funny because we're a betting company, but you, you are, you're almost literally betting on, on hopefully relatively intelligent speculation. Uh, and on an expected value basis, like when you, when you're supposed to use when you're doing probabilities, you're really saying, okay, what are the odds? Is it very likely they get zero? Probably not, by you know, statistically. Is it likely they get five or ten? Probably not. Okay, so where do they fall on the on the in between? What's that likely to be worth to them, and how much am I paying for that opportunity? And that's really that's really the the the, the, the process. Now, you have to know, or you should know, that there is a chance it goes to zero because it gets none, and it's burning cash still, and these things survive or don't on scale. Now, when I say going to zero, I don't, I don't want to say it's absolutely going to be zero, or, you know, but just work with me here. Um, this, this could all come to almost naught. Or it could be much more. Uh, and so that's not my style of investing. You know, I, I'm not kind of punting on a, a series of independent outcomes where I can't reasonably understand from the outside the chance of success. So just don't do it. Uh, that doesn't mean it can't work. It doesn't mean you can't make money doing it. It can't, doesn't mean points bet is going to be a bad investment. It's just not well, it doesn't money. even mean that you're confident it will be a bad investment. Right. And so the too, hard, the too hard pile can be massive. And so for me, I get, why, I get why this, this looks like a big opportunity, potentially. And it is potentially a big opportunity. And I get why that feels alluring because like, well, but if it is and I don't do it, I'll kick myself. And if I do it, then I might make a fortune. And, and there's all that back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And, and that's, we talk about behavioral psychology all the time. This is such a great example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, as an investor, uh, you, you should be trying to find mispriced bets. And the, the, the probabilities matter. 
and the degree of confidence you bring to it matters. Andrew talked before about on Friday about the banks and saying, look, you know, yeah, the banks might do okay, but he doesn't have enough enough conviction that they will, and so he's going to try and find something he has a higher conviction on. I don't think it's possible to have a high conviction on points bet. I think it's absolutely possible to take a portfolio-based approach and say, I'm going to buy companies that have a really high potential payout. Individually, maybe the the, the expected value is is not great, but together, again, law of averages, I should do okay. And that would be perfectly fine. Mm. Um, casinos do that all the time. That's exactly what casinos are based on, right? Every, every now and again, more often than not, the casino will pay up big amounts of money. Um, not more often than not, but you know, regularly enough, we'll pay a big amount of money on, on you spin up a you know, 17 on the roulette wheel, the guy who's got a ship on 17 and win, makes a fortune. But when it goes the other way, you make money and over time, you're ahead as a casino. Mm. If you can find a way to do that as an investor, go for it. But to me, points bet is just not that there's not enough fundamental support for the recommend for for the recommendation for the purchase. Uh, in my view, just because you don't you can't see those outcomes. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. The so here's I'm going to talk about points bet, but in two different uh, ways. So nice. the first way, the bullish way, is to say huge market opportunity. Mm-hmm. They're getting really great traction. The com- mm-hmm. the revenues on this company were 25 million in 2019, mm-hmm. tripled it. So 75 million in 2020. Yeah. I can't do the math. Increased it a lot to just shy of 200 million in 2021. And now, th- and now 300 million. Yeah. Right? So, and then they've just recently released their, their most recent set of results. First half revenue was up 28%, right? That's, that's pretty compelling. They're doing, they're doing something right. They're having good opportunities in gaming and um, uh, other segments as well. They're just a good, good, good number of um, betting volumes. All of these kind of metrics that they want to present to you are doing really well. And they've got a pile of cash, right? They've got $387 million of cash in the balance sheet. So there's, there's a good story here. Um, but where the world has changed, and we've talked about this before, is that in spite of that amazing eye-watering revenue growth, we haven't had any profit. In fact, it's worse than that. The profit has gone down. So their EBIT, this is their pre-tax, pre-interest earnings, were, mm. they were losing almost 40 million in 2019, 2020. Yeah. Then they lost 180 million in 2021. Now they, <laughs> 2022, they lost 264 million. Right. And uh, even in the latest half, they lost 150 million, whereas the mm-hmm. previous first half, they lost 126 million. So, so one of our members on Strawman, Mike Brizzy, is just such a really smart guy he put it this way he said in order to grow revenues by 28 percent, so we 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 added 39 million dollars in revenue but to do that we burned through three 136 million dollars in cash yes so as it stands <laughs> this is not viable in fact it's yep. becoming less viable over time now again just on the other side of the argument is mm-hmm. look it's a land grab you know yes. you know we've got lots of cash the money will come but we need to win and we're not going to focus on these profitability measures um, as much right now, because that will come, that will come down the track when we're a major part of the market. And then we can start Mm -hmm. optimizing for that. Now, as I said, that was a very, that was a very acceptable narrative a year ago. Um, It's not anymore. And Mm -hmm. we're in a, we're in a different world. So I think why the market is- world though, because different world can just be share price sentiment rather than the business itself or the the opportunity for long-term success. Yeah. The market is, the market is, is, is now very overtly focused on 
profitable growth. Yes. Not not just top line growth. Yes. Yes. And because the, the, because the, the money tap's been turned off, it's just yes. it's just a very difficult environment, a much more expensive environment to raise capital now. So where where you could just like fund all of this stuff with free cheap money, you can't anymore. So it just mm. it, it really it really adds a risk to all of these things. So I don't, I'm not, I don't, I, let me, I said at the start, I'm not super, super, super familiar with this business. I don't have a position. So I don't want to, and I've given you both the good side and the bad side yep. of things. Yep. But yep. all the things that you said are true, but it's, it's, it's not just that they continue to capitalize on that opportunity in terms of their sales and the number of users and all of that kind of stuff. They need to stop burning cash <laughs> and they need to start generating profit. Soon. And, and here's the thing: they could, and they could. It, it could be they literally could. the next, the next, yeah. the next state jurisdiction away. A large state, big contract win. You start on July one, and all of a sudden you're off to the races because you are just bringing in so much cash. Absolutely. This thing scales beautifully, right? So it's yeah. kind of one of those businesses where if you get it right, and you get, and, and frankly, let's be, let's use the word lucky because you got to get lucky. You know, you might get good luck, bad luck. You win a deal, you lose a deal. Who else is bidding for it? What relationships do they have? What terms are they offering? What reputation do they have? Um, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot you can manage for, and there's a lot you can't manage for. They are happily, and this is a betting 101, right? They are saying, and even okay, I'll mention Charlie Munger again, right? They, they, he said many times they look for a two to one shot, paying three to one. Yeah, it's as simple as that. They're not looking for perfection necessarily. No, they do try and minimise risk, but they're looking for mispriced bets. So, points bet is trying to make a mispriced bet. They're trying to say if we spend, geez, it must be close to a billion dollars based on those. those um, Numbers you threw at me in terms of the mm. cash burn stuff. Mm. Mm. We're going to spend the best part of a billion dollars on the on the probability that we think we can earn more than that back from that money in a time-adjusted mm. way that makes sense. That's why we're doing it. They are betting that they, that can come true. For all I know, it will. Um, for all I know, it won't. So, you know, it, 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 I don't blame an entrepreneur for trying to do this stuff. I don't even necessarily blame investors for buying a lotto ticket but treat it like a lotto ticket right assume you're going to lose your money put a really really small amount of money and if it goes well then you know pat yourself on the back say good actually i got lucky there um i was smart to find the opportunity i was lucky in the outcome because i could have been equally unlucky and that's what happened and that's a perfectly fine way to do it i just think as an investor think about whether that's even your style think about how much of it you want in your portfolio even if you like the broad theme and again remember airlines were a wonderful theme and the airline industry lost a squillion dollars over 50 years, right? So even if the theme's right, and it sounds like you're talking about DraftKings and points bet, talking about the legalization of gambling, perfect. If I was if I was a gambling operator, I would go and try and do that too. Mm. But I'd be using someone else's money to do it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. if that other person's money is my money, I want to know that I've got a reasonably good chance of success before I would maybe go in, particularly go in too deep. Yeah. Yeah. The proverbial $10 lotto ticket, sure. Uh, I do think we can, I've said this before, mate, I do think a lot of investors end up justifying small speculative bets with money that if you took it to the track, people would say you were crazy, right? Mm. If you took $1,000 to the track and put it on number five in the you know, the eighth race at that doe dogs, what are you doing? I'm speculating intelligently because of the chance it wins. It's good good odds. Are you serious? A thousand bucks? You put a thousand bucks on an ASX listed company, goes, oh, that's that's it's a portion of my portfolio. That's that's a reasonable amount. I, I think that's a perfectly <laughs> good idea. Uh, you can decide for yourself where your your personal line is. Uh, I, I like to, if I'm thinking about speculating, I like to think about it in the context of my overall portfolio. But also, if I was going to take that much money and buy a lottery ticket or put it on the dogs or you know take it to the roulette table, uh, uh, you know, just just want think about how you'd feel if you put a thousand bucks on the roulette table, walked away with nothing or whatever the number is, five hundred bucks, hundred bucks, depends. 
You might be a little bit ungenerous in in comparing no. points bet to a to a lottery ticket. Um, I'm just I'm mindful that? of the. Oh, I just I don't know it well enough, so I'll give them the benefit. Oh man, I called I called brain chip a lottery ticket on uh, Ausbiz. I got heat from Twitter for weeks. Oh yeah, yeah. The brain chip fans do not like me calling it a no, lottery ticket. No, I, I mean they should love it really because then <laughs> might, might give them a better better entry price. Um, oh, anyway. But but I mean, so <laughs> I, I I say it. <laughs> Because yeah, uh, I, I own I own businesses that are bleeding cash, <laughs> yes. um, and I would argue maybe I'm kidding myself, but I guess I would argue to you that um, I don't see them as lottery tickets. Do I see them as is there a risk? Yes. Did they not grow in or scale grow yeah. into their valuation or scale? Absolutely, there is risk. But I feel as though I've tried to handicap that risk to some extent by mm -hmm. just having a thorough knowledge of the business and its its potential and yep. what the strategy is, and that this is just the stage that they're at. So. If, and I, I just put this caveat in because I've actually got no firm view on points bet. So mm. to prevent the person from having an aneurysm that's listening to this <laughs> has a lot of money fair, and invested fair. a lot of time into points bet, <laughs> you might have extreme confidence that management is actually doing very prudently well. And look, they yes. are they are winning in a lot of areas, undeniably. Yes. But you've got to have you've got to have that level of understanding where you feel as though that pivot to profitability can be achieved in a mm -hmm. reasonably reasonable amount of time, and that they can ultimately become self-funding and have a have a mm -hmm. business that generates not just good revenues but good good profits as well. And and you might have a view on that because you know the industry well, you know how mm -hmm. they're working in that, you know that this is just an investment stage of their of their of their of their business plan, and fine. But just make sure you have that, um, and 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 just and just have come full circle. Don't make your judgment on. Oh my gosh, shares are down heaps. That must mean yes. something bad's going on. Maybe not. Yes, just, yep. it's, great point. You've you've got to do the work. Scott's absolutely right. If you don't know anything about the business, it's a completely lottery ticket. It's a complete lottery ticket. Um, so I, I give that caveat in there for those that may have a un better understanding and, and higher conviction and maybe rational objective reasons mm -hmm. for it to be less less than uh, a lottery ticket. But, but I, I guess for is, me, I the, the lottery ticket, no, you're right, you're absolutely right. And I, should, I shouldn't have been so flippant. Where I do think there's some some lottery ticket kind of analogy though is they are not, most of the businesses, I, I don't know actually about your business, I'm going to assume, most of your businesses are growing steadily through fundamental business improvement, acquiring more customers, charging higher prices, whatever, whatever. And they'll tip over a point. <laughs> yeah, the gross profit is growing and the fixed profits, right. the fixed costs ideally aren't growing as fast. Right. Yes. I'll, I'll, I'll mention a company having, having a drink on before, Kogan. Right. <laughs> now, that's a business that I think has good long-term customer growth now that COVID was weird, but generally speaking, good long-term customer growth. They expect to continue for a long period of time. And at some point, revenues uh, overcome costs. And at some point, the gross profit, which is the net result, overcomes fixed costs and they become profitable. And at some point, that profit grows. If I'm right, I could be entirely wrong. But it's, it's on a trajectory, a path, right? And you can't just extrapolate, but it's on a path. My, my point about points about, I suppose, is that this doesn't win by having a few more customers in its current jurisdictions every year. These guys have to win new contracts in new states where the odds, to my my opinion, are relatively unknowable. And I guess that's what I mean in the lottery ticket analogy here. It's not like, hey, they've got every customer in the US. They're starting in California. They're going to slowly expand to every other state. As they do that, the trajectory says they will slowly pick up you know, more, more and more volume, more and more sales. Da, da, da. This one's not exactly, but it's if they win two more contracts from zero, they'll do probably reasonably well. Three, they do very, very well. If they win one, they're probably okay. If they win none, they're probably underwater. Now, that in that scenario, each of those are independent events. So, again, we're kind of spending a lot of time in probability and betting land, funnily enough, and maybe not so funny. But um, if they're independent events, then you know, if you're tossing a coin, if you're tossing a coin three times or four times, 
and you get paid based on number of heads. That, that's, a, that's the lottery ticket bit to me is you don't know how likely you are to toss it. Well, you do, I guess, in a coin, but you know what I mean. Mm. Um, you don't know which ones you're going to win, you don't know which ones you're going to lose. Mm. If, it was, if it was a case of growing steadily over time, I'd feel I, I own some loss making businesses, including Kogan. I think it might be just profitable right now. I can't remember, but um, you know. But but I've, I don't mind that because of the story you told. I think that's exactly right. But if mm. if it was kind of like if Kogan is allowed to sell groceries in the US by convincing the US government to give it a license to do that, then maybe I'll make some money. That to me is pretty much direct speculation because they can't control it. I can't adequately assess the odds. So you're kind of left in guesswork land. But again, I, you're, not, you're not wrong. I shouldn't have been quite that flippant, but I guess that's what I meant. It's not just an extrapolation story. It's a, it's a sense of will they or won't they win those bits of business? Yeah. And, and this is, it comes back to too, understanding the, the business mechanics and the model. So yeah, yeah. as I understand it with points bet, they, they, there's a certain cost to acquire mm-hmm. a, um, a new client. And yes. so it's money out the door day one, pay for the yes. marketing guys, you make but all that kind of stuff. And then mm-hmm. you, and then they're on subscription type payments. So mm-hmm. it takes a little time to, to pay it back. Totally. But it also means that what, you've got to ask yourself, what does success look like? Well, mm-hmm. in a, now as long as that, what they call the CAC to LTV. So the, mm-hmm. mo- the ratio of the client acquisition cost to the lifetime, maybe LTV to CAC is actually a better way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. As long as that is a, a favorable multiple, Mm-hmm. You should you should want to bleed cash right yes, for a exactly, while. Exactly. I'll, I'll give you an analogy here is with zero. I remember yeah, uh, go back example. ten years, and everyone was saying about zero. It's terrible business. It's terrible business because look, they're bleeding cash, and as they're yeah. growing, they're spending more and more. And what zero said at the time was, well, actually, it just costs us money to win and then onboard a customer. After that, we don't have any costs at all. Mm. So as we grow very rapidly, we have this huge cash out the door. But as long as those metrics hold, as long as we see retention hold up pretty well, as long as, as, long as we can maintain our pricing, we'll get paid back on that investment yep. and then it's all gravy. And it actually it proved out very well. So I'm not saying that that will happen with points bet, but I, yeah, I no, bet right. if That's we had the CEO right. listening to this, he'd be going, "Well, guys, you've got to factor this <laughs> exactly. in." So, so, so someone's wrote in, written in and asked about a, a general question on mm-hmm. points bet, and here we have just ranted on it and probably raised 50 more questions than, than, than we answered. But that's the investing process, right? So you work through all of those things until you can get a good, good read on where, you know, a good bit of conviction on where you think the, the, the trajectory is. And, and I'm certainly not going to tell you what to do based on, you know, a five minute scan of a PowerPoint presentation and, and some, some things I happen to recollect, but that's, but that's hopefully given you the, the, the framework with which to start pursuing this and going through it and these these could be exciting times really in a lot of ways i mean mm-hmm. a lot of babies have been thrown out with the bathwater I so as much as it sucks to see your shares portfolio tech, down you know tech and retail i reckon we're going to look back and there will be some stunning stunning gains made from some of these sectors oh, not, not the whole been, sectors yep but yeah yep. yep i mean if i had more cash i'd be i'd be there's some things i'd love to buy more of 100 percent. but i'm not selling the ones i've got either you know and i don't really give a stuff what happened their share price yeah, over the last yeah. year because the business is more or less on track as far as i is my as of my read of it is and this is always the regret on the other side is that we always regret we didn't sell as the market fell but it's actually not as painful as the regret of why didn't i why didn't I do more <laughs> when right. I had the yes. opportunity? Yeah. Um, so anyway, exactly. a lot of- we've, And there are always the hardest to- times to buy, right? Because they're the times when you feel like you know, the shares are down. You, you, yeah, it's easy to be courageous when the share prices are high. Oh yeah, absolutely. 
Hey, we might be a chance here of even topping our our Friday um, Not podcast. Not quite, but uh, we like, went we went very. Oh, actually, yeah. Time to get you, know, you talk for a long time. It's your I fault. Do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and Paul Wine is going to have to listen at one time speed too. We've cost him about an hour of his time. Sorry, man. Uh, yeah. Thank you for for your fantastic questions. Thank you, Andrew, for joining me. Um, I will do a quick plug if you do want to keep abreast of what's going on in well our strange and sometimes unusual brains follow us on social media follow ram at sage underscore simeon uh smart monkeys i like to occasionally just giggle about uh, <laughs> or you can follow the straw man business at straw man invest follow me on twitter or insta at tmf scott p or the motley fool at the motley fool au follow me on facebook uh, forward slash scott phillips money luckily we don't have time for andrew to ask about mastodon so we'll keep moving uh, if you want to send us an email feel free to do that info info at fool.com.au and our wonderful member services team will make sure the emails come to us. just very very Enjoy. quickly oh, very 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 quickly if you're talking about alternate social platforms can i just put a plug out for nostar n-o-s-t-r check it out oh, why are you on it? I don't want to get into it. I am. Are you on? I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's it's yeah, it's too much. Mastodon to versus Nostra, the, uh, the the the, the non future of social media. Right Nostra's a decentralized social platform, but it's done properly. It where Mastodon had a good idea, they didn't execute well. Nostra's got it right. Wish Whole other kettle of fish. We won't talk about it though. Andrew Sasso, we've gone too long, but let me talk about Nostra for a minute. <laughs> good news is you didn't mention the B word. Goodbye. Full on. Bye. See ya. <laughs> Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691.